0: And welcome to Small Town Mysteries, a show where three longtime friends from Massachusetts tell crazy and heartbreaking true stories filled with the extra flair of small town mystery. I'm Kate, here with Christine. Hello. Rachel is unable to join us this week, so it will be just the two of us. You are getting some cousin chaos. That's what we'll call it. On this week's episode. Uh, Due to the same extenuating circumstances that are causing Rachel's absence, we also are not covering a missing person this week. That was uh, Rachel's responsibility for this week. So we're just not going to be doing that this week. Um, But next week, we'll have another missing person highlighted. So you'll be able to check out our Instagram for information on that. Um, We do like bringing awareness to those missing people every week. But sometimes, you know, life happens and we aren't always able to uh, do things exactly the way we want to. So no missing person this week. So I'm going to jump right into the episode, if that sounds good to you, Christine. Go on right ahead. All right. So in my research of this topic, which I realize I have not said yet, her name was (laughs) Mickey Kanasaki. I read that there was a Dateline episode that came out in May on this case, which I haven't seen, which is rare for me to have not seen a Dateline episode. I feel like half the time when they have reruns on, I'm like, "Eh, I've already seen it. But as soon as I read that Dateline had covered it, I found myself writing like Keith Morrison from Dateline. Who I adore. Like, I don't want to say he's my celebrity hall pass, but like. (laughs) Wow. How old is he? (laughs) That's a joke. Don't worry. I think he's just, he's endearing. But Mm. I also, sometimes I'm like, why would you ask that? Like some of the questions he asks. I don't know. I I like Dateline. I really enjoy it. Keith Morrison. Like, I love him. I have criticism, but I love him. So be prepared for my version. It's Keith Morrison, Kate's version today. (laughs) is that plus cousin chaos. So I'm going to get right into it. We have all heard the expression international waters. And many of us, myself included, have been on a cruise ship before. On a boat so large that it doesn't feel like a boat unless you're looking directly at the ocean, gliding through those glassy, mysterious international waters. I've never been on a cruise. I know. I was going to ask if you had, but I knew you hadn't. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I've never been. I don't know if it's necessarily my thing. Like, I feel like I I can't judge it. I've never been. But I almost feel like I would would more like to, like, just travel. But I do think it's very convenient. Like, you know, the Italian cruise where you can hit, like, five or six different cities.
0: Yeah. That would be nice. It definitely is good for, like, quick stops at multiple places. Mm -hmm. It's good because everything's on board. So, yeah. like, I remember when I went and I got a sunburn and I was like, oh, no, what am I going to do? yeah They have aloe in the gift shop. My sun hat broke. Oh, a sun hat. You know, like, it's like a whole little world. Right. On a cruise ship, which, you know, is incredible if that's what you're looking for. I was 14 when we went. So that was perfect for me. Like, everything was right there. My parents go to a nice dinner. My brother and I could go and get, like, pizza. <laughs> but, yeah, I'd, I'd go in on another one. I don't know, post-COVID. It gives me pause just because I remember in the early days of COVID, it definitely. Um, I remember reading all the stories about the cruise ships where people were like stuck on board, and then everyone on the boat had COVID, and it was like, Ugh. I don't know if I'd ever go on a cruise ship again after that. This is gross, but like there's sometimes there's like plumbing issues, and then people get like other uh, waste borne pathogens that spread throughout. It, there's some stories that I definitely think would make me think twice before going on a cruise again. That being said, I liked it, and I would. You know, definitely consider it. Anyway, my point being, cruises. Sometimes they're fun. If you ask anyone who thinks they know what they're talking about what international waters means, they'll tell you that it means that the laws of no one government rules there and that it's a legal gray area. But please note that I said someone who thinks they know what they're talking about because that's just not how that works. Um, There's this prevailing thought that if someone commits a murder on, like, the high seas that, like, no laws apply or there would be such jurisdictional difficulty in deciding who would try the case that they couldn't be prosecuted. That's just not true.
1: I've heard this. I have no idea if this is correct, but wouldn't you just have to stop at whatever next port it is and then it's either you're tried there or <laughs> it can be, like, can't you be brought back in some cases? Yeah. Or are you all, okay. Yeah, so, I mean, in this case, he, like...
0: It's not really a spoiler. The perp was tried in the place where he had planned most of the crime. Was what they ended up like making a jurisdictional argument that that was where the case should be heard. So, yeah, I mean, I guess in theory, you can make a case that there's jurisdictional disagreements that would happen for crimes committed on international waters. But realistically, they find a way around it. I do think the perp in this case... Definitely thought international waters meant he'd get away with it, but he was an attorney and I'm, I'm not going to say anything about like uh, the ego that attorneys have, but sometimes they have an ego and sometimes they think they can get away with stuff that they shouldn't get away with. I'm allowed to say that I went to law school. So today I'm covering the heinous murder of Mickey Kanasaki that occurred on a cruise ship off the coast of Italy on May 25th, 2006. Mickey Kanasaki met Lonnie Kacantis at a law firm where he was an attorney and she was a paralegal. The pair were married in 1995 but separated by 2002. They maintained an unusual arrangement where they both lived in their home in Ladera Ranch, California, while they decided how to split up their assets. Because they weren't together anymore, Lonnie decided to start dating other women, which apparently Mickey did not know about. He even became engaged and then married. To a woman named Amy Yen. I looked up how to pronounce that and that's what I found. Um, at some point, Lonnie filed court documents in an attempt to force Mickey to sell their joint home so that the proceeds could be split between the two of them. Um, it's quite possible that that was the last asset they needed to formally split in their like legal divorce. Uh, you could say it was the last vestige of their former love. It was the last property holding them legally together. So he wanted her to sell because okay. then they wouldn't have, you know, any, any commitment to each other, no connection. They wouldn't have to be in contact. Okay. Uh, Mickey pushed back on this plan and Lonnie subsequently withdrew his court filings seeking it. He said, okay, fine. We don't have to sell the house. By this point, he had also divorced Amy Yen. And to their mutual friends, Lonnie and Mickey appeared to be thinking about giving their relationship a second chance. As such, they booked a beautiful Mediterranean cruise for May of 2006. I don't know if I would go on a cruise with my ex-husband, but maybe that's just me.
1: I could see if they had, like, kids, maybe. They didn't. Potentially, but yeah. Yeah, they
0: didn't have kids. They literally just had that house that they both still legally owned, but, like,
1: yeah, no, I
0: I wouldn't. I feel like you got divorced for a reason. Right. On the night of May 25th, Lonnie and Mickey split a nice bottle of wine at the fancy restaurant on board the ship, uh, by all accounts having a great time and rekindling the love that once was between them. Little did Mickey know that Lonnie had chosen this ship and their particular stateroom very precisely and for a horrible, horrible reason. When you go on a cruise, there's different types of rooms. They're called staterooms on a boat. Um, You can pay for one with a balcony. Or one within the ship. Some of them have like windows. You can't open the windows, but you can like see outside. Some don't. Um, The nicest ones, the ones that people splurge on, especially if they have seasickness like I do, that was recommended to me when I booked a cruise was to get a room with a balcony because you can't beat the view of the sea. And if it becomes too overwhelming to look at, you can just go back inside your room and sort of not look at the ocean i know that happened to me a couple times where i was like it's so vast got really like overwhelmed but there's also always fresh air available to you so if you start to feel seasick the fresh air really helps so you're right there and you can step out on your balcony for air if there's any sort of waves or i want to say turbulence but that's uh airplanes there's any sort of like rocking of the boat or anything i will say i went on a seven day cruise and the sixth day we had there were some big waves It was the only day it felt like we were on a boat every single other day. I was like, I don't know, I feel like I was just walking in a hotel. So a room with a balcony on a cruise is the ideal room. It's beautiful, convenient, balcony, air, nice. It was also the ideal room for Lonnie, but he was drawn to the balcony because of its drop directly to the ocean. Lonnie claims that after dinner and that delightful bottle of wine, he and Mickey returned to their room where he took a sleeping pill and, as one would expect, fell asleep. Lonnie told investigators that he woke up around 4.30 a.m., only to notice that Mickey was not there. He reported her absence to ship authorities, who conducted a full search of the boat and came up empty-handed. Mickey was no longer on the ship. Investigators had Lonnie leave the cruise during the search of the surrounding waters so that the cruise could go on and he would stay nearby. That makes sense. They put him up in a hotel room in Naples, from which he called his good friends Bill Price and Susan McQueen. Friends from back home who were originally supposed to join Mickey and Lonnie on the cruise, but it had a family emergency. The pair, who just so happened to be private investigators, said that Lonnie sounded panicked on the phone. And he said that local authorities were treating him poorly as if he had killed or harmed Mickey. At his friend's urging, Lonnie returned to the United States less than 48 hours after Mickey disappeared. Mickey Kanasaki's body was found floating in the Mediterranean Sea on May 27, 2006, by a research vessel off the coast of Paola, Italy. An autopsy conducted days later found that Mickey's body had floated because her lungs were full of air. In drowning deaths, the lungs fill with water and the body usually sinks. Investigators knew that because she was found floating with air in her lungs, she had died before she was dumped overboard. The autopsy further found severe hemorrhaging around Mickey's neck, consistent with strangulation, as well as a skull fracture. Mickey Kanasaki was dead and found in the water, but she had been dead before she fell into the Mediterranean.
1: So, this was entirely planned out. Absolutely. It wasn't even like. Oh, no, she a fell. Fit of it- rage, he planned it out far in advance. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, a lot of the sources that I read said that, like, he chose not even just the specific stateroom on the boat, but the boat because of the way it was designed, that it was a direct drop to the ocean. So that, like, he would be able to be able to throw her overboard and no one would, like, know or see.
1: Do we have any, like, any indication of why? Mm-hmm. Like, okay. You're yeah, going to get to yeah, that. Yeah. I'll get okay, to that. cool. Because I was thinking that
0: this whole time. And I'm like, okay, but why? I mean... Right.
1: Yeah. Like, sometimes people do things for seemingly no reason, but a lot of the times there's, like, some sense that they've been wronged, even if it's, like, mm-hmm. not accurate, you know? Yeah,
0: I, I would say for sure the first thing that tipped me off was that she didn't want to sell the house. Um, She was really holding on to that last connection between the two of them. And I think he, whether he would admit it at that time or not, really didn't want anything to do with her anymore. And this was a very calculated plan to get rid of her so that he would have his assets individually owned. And uh, as you'll see, there is other monetary motivation as well, as there often is. So, logistically, Lonnie was the primary subject, but the case was largely circumstantial. There was no DNA evidence. And Mickey had died in international waters. So, could Lonnie even be prosecuted? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> definitely can. Uh, An American citizen who falls victim to a crime overseas can have their case investigated by the FBI. I looked into this because I was curious. Rather than the state or local government where the crime was committed. So something happens in international waters and you're like, well, they can't prosecute me anyway. Not true. The FBI will get you. Sorry, Lonnie. Mickey's niece spoke with Lonnie several times after Mickey's body was found and investigators asked her to record their conversations Investigators were shocked to hear that Lonnie referred to Mickey not by her name, but as, quote, the body.
1: Yikes.
0: Which is such a cold, callous way to refer to your ex-wife, the woman you were, at least ostensibly, romancing all over again. The woman you had made the executor of your will, and you the executor of hers. Simply, the body.
1: Yeah, I... Really wonder how, like, if was there any red flag that, or was he just truly such a socio- sociopath that she had no idea?
0: I think that part of the problem was anyone who um, may have noticed those red flags was actually conspiring with him,
1: conspiring with him, his two friends. But then, why did on the why did they admit that he sounded concerned or? It was an excuse
0: to get him out of there. Like, oh, he feels like he's being treated unfairly. He needs to come home.
1: Oh, like, I thought that meant something different. Okay, I know that makes sense.
0: No, like he thought he was going to be mistreated by the, the police, the foreign police. And he was confused and he didn't speak Italian and it was like a whole thing. So they were like, okay, we're going to have you come home. But then it was less than 48 hours after she'd gone missing. It wasn't like they'd found the body at that point or anything. It was like she still very much could have been out there.
1: So both of his friends knew and planned this with him.
0: Um, at least the husband did. Price is his last name. I didn't find any sources saying the wife knew, but she was also a private investigator. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, I love how they're freaking private investigators. I don't hear doing that shit. Right, which means that in theory, you'd think
0: that a lawyer and two private investigators could pull off like the perfect crime. And I tell you, they got pretty darn close. It took a long time for this case to be prosecuted because they didn't have the evidence.
1: Yeah, that's true. There's not. Yeah.
0: I do think it's pretty incredible that they actually found her body. And I think that was the nail in his coffin. He was fully intending on them not ever finding her body.
1: And he told them what you said, like the the day after
0: yeah, like when he woke up at 4... Th- he claims he woke up at 4.30 in the morning and she wasn't there. And then he told the people on the boat, like, my wife's missing. And they searched the whole boat and then, you know, contacted local authorities. And
1: Okay, and I guess there would be, like, cameras to- mm-hmm. too. So he probably was like, oh, I can't really wait. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah.
0: So there's more evidence against Lonnie. Still pretty circumstantial, but notable. He flew home from Italy and immediately went to see Amy Nguyen who at that point was his second ex-wife, but also possibly his girlfriend at the time, who claimed that she'd been told that he wanted to be with her forever. Of course, Mickey stood in the way of that. (laughs) There's your second possible motive. Amy was terrified to go to authorities with what she knew of Lonnie's plan because she feared him. Um, They did drift apart, and she did eventually turn on him, and her testimony in the end was critical in his conviction. She knew of his plan to murder Mickey, and she knew that his good friend Bill Price, the private investigator, had uh, conspired with him, and she knew that Lonnie had inherited $2 million from Mickey's estate after her death. Surely motive if I have ever seen it. So while none of these three can be conclusively determined as the motive, that's three very strong possible motives.
1: I think. I'm just feeling like she knew about this mm-hmm. and she let him do his thing. She knew about the plot to murder his yep. ex-wife. OK, mm-hmm. that makes you a a real bitch, first of all, for not going to anyone at the bare Legal minimum. Legal consequences
0: notwithstanding, you suck.
1: <laughs> and then I'm guessing that she thought, OK, well, he's just going to do that and then he's going to get really rich and I'm going to reap some of the benefits. And
0: he's going to come back to me and we're going to be happily ever after. Hmm. So Lonnie was arrested at his home in Florida in 2013. So Mickey was murdered in 2006 and he wasn't even arrested until 2013. He was charged with the murder of Mickey Kanasaki. After being extradited to California, Lonnie stood trial for the murder in 2020 after a series of delays due in part to the COVID-19 pandemic. After a month long trial, Lonnie was found guilty of a special charge. Murder for financial gain which I think is, you know, pretty clear at this point that uh, at least two of his possible motives were for financial gain. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. And while in prison, he allegedly tried to order a hit on Amy yen his second wife, who had testified against him. These charges were dismissed in part because he was in prison when it happened. And there was like a whole thing about like, could he even order a hit from prison? It was like, yeah, well, I mean, technically, but I don't know. They nonetheless pose a searing indictment of Lonnie's hatred of the women he once loved, one of them he killed, one of them he wanted to kill, both women who had loved him, and even if just for a moment's time, had grown to fear him. And that is my case.
1: That's crazy.
0: Yeah, because not only does he actually kill his first wife, he also then tries to kill his second wife for telling on him for killing his first wife. Like, how much do you have to suck like wow, you're just you're just a terrible human being at that point. Like, go rot in prison. It just forever. really paints
1: a picture of who he is. Yeah, like it just and it's really not flattering. flattering. No, and it it's
0: horrible to think that what we see with the second wife Amy Yen, we see her fear of him develop. That right. you know, if at at first they're oh well, you know, he came back to me and we're you know together again, and this is something that's going to benefit me. And then something shifts where she becomes fearful of him. And she turns on him and she testifies, and a hit is ordered on her, allegedly by him. That was never litigated, so I have to say allegedly. Mm-hmm. Um, but something shifted there that made her afraid of him. And we can't talk to Mickey to know if there were any moments that she feared him, you know, or any really bright red flags that told her, you need to get out of this marriage or you need to not rekindle this. There's no way of knowing that because she's dead. But what occurs to me is that assuming she was conscious when she was killed, she had a moment where she feared him too.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: And it just reminds me of like, there was like a... Do you ever read those like two-sentence horror stories?
1: Two-sentence?
0: Yeah, they're on Reddit a lot. Mm -mm. The one I'm thinking of is... Like, um, the only thing scarier than feeling the knife across my neck was that I had recognized the footsteps coming up the stairs. like the implication that it was like someone whose mm. footsteps you recognized. That's what I think of in this case that like, when Mickey's dying, she's terrified and she's scared. This is once again assuming she's conscious, which we don't know. But in that same moment, she's also having this moment of realization that Lonnie doesn't love her and that he has the capacity to do this to her and that in and of itself is almost more horrifying you know and and it may be not more horrifying but it compounds the horror I just thought I couldn't stop thinking about that when I was writing this episode that you know you have the second wife who was able to express her fear and then you have the first wife who maybe didn't even feel it until it was too late
1: right I want to be surprised if they're like if he was abusive or anything like that yeah only because wanting to get someone killed from prison Mm -hmm. that is a very strong reaction yeah (laughs) emotion and Mm -hmm. so I can totally see him getting angry for any other reasons especially if there had been two divorces with like in a pretty fast time frame pretty quickly I would say it couldn't have been rainbows and butterflies.
0: No, there was definitely so much going on here. And I can't imagine he was a very pleasant husband because right. you don't have that many divorces in such a small time. But I don't know. It it It's dumbfounding to me that he, you know, divorced wife one, ended up with wife two, went back to wife one, kind of just so he could yeah. kill her, went back to wife two. And then wife two was like, eh, actually you're a bad person. Right. Like, it feels like a soap opera. It does. In the twists and turns. Um, but very interesting case to investigate. And also just does a really good job of proving the whole international waters thing completely. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not how it works. Yeah, it makes it difficult, but not impossible to prosecute. You're not going to get away with it. Um This is also a great example of if you think you have the perfect crime, you don't because this was a lawyer and two private investigators or at least one private investigator Mm -hmm. and they thought they had the perfect crime and they still didn't pull it off. Mm -mm. So if you're, you know, thinking criminal thoughts, don't. That's that's my official advice.
1: (laughs) I think this is our first um, boat one.
0: Yeah, I think so. I I didn't even bother to do any like talk about the town or anything because there is no town. It's like, there's the, you know, county that he was prosecuted in, the county that he lived in in Florida when he was arrested, and then obviously, like, Italy, off the coast of Italy, Um, but there's no town. So, small boat mysteries.
1: Yeah.
0: Big boat mysteries. Big boat (laughs) mysteries. They're huge. It's Um, probably,
1: like, the population in the boat is probably larger than a typical small town.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's crazy. How many people get on those boats?
1: Well, thank you guys for
0: tuning in. Um, This was a slightly unconventional episode because we didn't have Rachel. So you had the cousin chaos. We had a big boat mystery and no small town whatsoever. So thanks for hanging in. (laughs) And we'll be back next week uh, with Rachel and hopefully, uh, you know, back to a regular traditional small town mysteries episode.
1: Yeah, I think the one next week too will be our last before we take a couple weeks off for yes. the holidays, New Year's, all that jazz.
0: Yeah, we are taking a holiday break. We deserve it. We need it. We're all very busy people, so we are going to uh, take a couple weeks. But not yet. There'll be one more episode. So tune in next week wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back with our missing person as well. Uh, we can be found online at Small Town Mysteries Pod on Instagram. If you want to send us pictures of your dogs. I've said this before and I love it. Please continue to do that. Or if you live in a small town and you have a weird case or you don't live in a small town but you know of a small town that had a weird case, DM us at Small Time Mysteries Pod, and we'd love to cover your suggestions. We love listener suggestions. All right. Thanks,
1: guys. I'm going to do an honorary come spiral with us next week. Hurry that up. was perfect. Thank you. Bye. I feel so empty. I know. <laughs>